Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the 10 Lost Podcast with East Forest. I am Mr. Forrest. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I have something really special. I have a in-person conversation that I had with Jens Karras. And Jens is someone who I met here in Boise, Idaho, who's an incredible musician. Um, I mean, really, really incredible, <laughs> like technically, but also I was just blown away with his songwriting and his artistry. And I basically was hounding him down, trying to get him in the studio so I could not only share him with you, but get to know him myself. And I was successful after many attempts. And so I'm really grateful to be able to share his music with you and a bit about his story. Uh, I'm sure you're really, really going to love it. Um, and thank you to everyone who showed up for the live stream to launch Journey Space. I played for four hours here in the studio. I was quite exhausted afterwards, but it felt it felt really good. And I just want to thank everyone who, who dropped in. And Journey Space will be doing some more journeys. So there's one in January scheduled and one in February. So just go to journeyspace.com and see if you'd like to be part of our, our beta launch here as we're getting things off the ground. And I'm going to be doing some in-person stuff, including December 17th in Boise, Idaho. I'm doing a full-blown ceremony concert here. So if you're in the the area or would like to come in, that's going to be a beautiful event at a renovated church that's now just a huge open space. It's called Trica here in the north end of Boise, Idaho. Um, And other things are being added. I think the Ireland dates in April, early April, and the UK date in early April is, is ticketed now. But more stuff is going to be announced soon. So that's all at eastforest.org. And we have the new solo piano sheet music book. It is now available for shipping in the East Forest store. Very proud of that. The transcription's done by our, our dear friend Lorna Dune. So we put 10 songs in there that you can play on solo piano, which is really fun for me to see it like in sheet music form. Because I don't I can barely read sheet music a little bit very slowly. And so it's just, it's just, I think sheet music is beautiful and it's really special to, to see your own music like that. So that's in the store along with some new dad hats. And of course our perfume oils are shipping and uh, we still have some, some vinyls. They're about to go out. I'm not sure if we'll make more of things like, let's see, what is the one? Spores might be close to gone. And we still have possible vinyls if you're into that. And then the Ram Dass vinyls, we try to replenish those because we know that's uh a possible, a uh, popular, my mind's impossible, a popular item. Uh, a special thank you to all of our East Forest Council members. That's a great way to support this podcast and to go deeper together in shared witness. Check it out, patreon.com slash East Forest. We'll be doing our monthly Zoom council uh, this December as we do every month. So if you want to join that or you can join at a lower level, and I just share like, I shared like the sound check for uh, the live stream that we did, which is like an hour video. And I have a bunch of demos I'm going to be sharing this year on over there on the council on Patreon. So check that out. And thanks for leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way. We appreciate it. And you can always say hi and share stuff over on the anti-social media where we, we like to try and be something that's creating pause over there and not just noise. Um, but it's always fun to connect and receive messages of support and be in conversation over there too. 
but for now, uh, I want to dive into this conversation because I know you're going to love it. So we were in Boise, Idaho in my studio, and this is the one and only Jens Karras. Jens Karras. Yeah. So are you from, I mean, did you grow up here, Boise? I grew up in the Wood River Valley. So, Where's that? Ketchum, Idaho, Sun Valley, Idaho, that area. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did you just say you just uh, came back from elk hunting? Yes, so I did. That's part of that. You grew up elk hunting? And... I didn't really grow up elk hunting. Yeah. Uh, I grew up um, doing other outdoorsy stuff, hunting. Um, my my dad and my mom, to a lesser extent, got into hunting maybe 15 or so years ago. Did you get an elk? I didn't. I got a deer this year. I got a, got a nice um, doe. Okay. Got a freezer full of meat. Wow. Missed my elk. It was... I hope you missed clean. I did. Yeah. As they say, like, don't take the shot unless you're going to down it, you know? Definitely. Definitely. It's one of the saddest things I ever saw was um, I was down in southern Utah, and I saw this deer, like, walking along this hillside with an arrow in its rump. Yeah. Just limping. I was like, oh, that's... That is sad. Crushing. There's this weird thing about people who don't know hunters are, are not like exposed to hunting culture they something about them feels like hunting a deer or an elk with a rifle seems very unfair or un um like cruel right and like being hunting in more quote-unquote natural or organic ways like with bows and arrows seems like more fair or something yeah i've heard that yeah, yeah. but the amount of animals that end up wounded you know from which is horrific from bows and arrows versus the man of animals that are just wounded from rifle fire is, is it happens so it's so much more common when you're bow hunting because it's very difficult so much more difficult yeah yeah and you have to be very close and yeah. you have to be very accurate which yeah. is very hard to do yeah um i i knew someone whose grandfather bow hunted uh birds which to me was just next level i mean <laughs> yeah. i don't even know how you'd get that done but Somehow he did. What so, kind of birds? I, I don't know. I mean, I was a kid. Yeah. Maybe it was turkeys, and he called them birds. Yeah, you, you can hunt bird, turkeys with bows, I think. I've, I've heard you have to have a very accurate kill shot because uh, bird, turkeys are similar. Like, their heads are very small, uh-huh. and that's one of the only places that would really— and their hearts are very small. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've never bird hunted, so I don't know. That's one of my dreams, though, is to— Get a turkey with a bow for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Have you seen the people who hunt fish with, like, they fish with? I, yeah, I, I've, I've actually, I know this because one of my friends fishes with an atlatl. Okay. Which is basically a spear. Uh-huh. And I've gone out with him, and it's it's easier than you'd think uh-huh. because if they're in a stream and it might be in a pool, uh-huh. it's you can just kind of really slowly get up there and then poof and uh. get a trout. Yeah. It's actually illegal in the area <laughs> because you can do the catfish. Uh-huh. Or the um, suckers, sorry. Yeah. Because I think it's maybe considered too easy. But part of me is like, if you're willing to, <laughs> even like hand fishing, yeah. like going and, and just going on and getting with your hands is not legal. And I'm like, if you can pull that off, <laughs> you can have the fish if you want right. it. You know? You've earned it. Yeah. That's, I I would be amazed. I mean, I, don't, I know people hunt catfish sometimes by like sticking their hands like in the catfish's mouth. Like oh. these giant catfish that are like in... 
I don't know, along the shore of these giant like rivers in the south. And guys who, there's a word for it that I don't remember, but they'll just reach their hand. And it's called it. fisting. Yeah. <laughs> they fist the catfish. <laughs> and they get, like, literally, they grab something on the inside and they pull the catfish that out. That like is unbelievable. And they've, yeah, and it's like massive fish. And they pull it on their boat and they eat it. Well, shout out to Matt Graham, who's been on the podcast twice. He's the one who is okay. the primitive skills guy who knows how to do all this stuff. But I did spearfish with him. We actually used a catfish claw that you can get, and you just tie it to like a long 10-foot tamarisk stick or mm-hmm. pole. And first try, I got a, I got a sucker. <laughs> the like, suckers are easier to get, okay. but um, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty good feeling to like spearfish. I bet you feel kind of like you're in. You touch. feel primal. Yeah, you feel yeah. like you're like yeah. yeah, you're standing around a fire, telling stories, hunting things with spears. It's like you're in touch with your. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. So I came across your music. I'm really happy you're here. I uh, I was trying to remember today. I couldn't quite remember the origin, but I think I know what it was. And I just want to tell this brief story. Okay. This months ago, during COVID, and I was just. I think there was a little bit of stuff coming back and I was just looking for like what's going on tonight kind of thing. And it's like one thing going on and it was you. Okay. I was like, I don't know this guy. So I type it in and I pull up your music on Tidal or Spotify. Uh And if people listen to your music there, I was like, this is the shit. Like (laughs) this is like right up my alley and sort of keyboards and really interesting uh, chordal changes, but it was intimate and it was subtle and he had a great voice, and it was just like, I was like, why haven't I heard about this before? I don't and, know. Why hadn't you? No, I'm serious. So we don't get to that a little later. <laughs> but And then the fact, that it was like, is this local? You know, I thought it was like passing through. Yeah. So I went to your show. I walk in the venue in the basement, mm-hmm. and there's a jazz band playing, yeah. <laughs> jazz quartet. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I mean, I love jazz. But still, I was like, I'm confused, because where's jazz? Like, this is the opener? Yeah. And, uh, or gents, sorry. Gents or gents. I've been saying your name in my head it's, for a while now. It's totally okay. Gents. Um, and I, I was just, we sat down, Rod and I, and I got a drink and I'm at the tables. It's, uh, underneath the, the Kara, the Elks yeah. Lodge. Mm-hmm. And I'm jamming out. And then for a while, I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, that dude playing the drums looks a little bit like, I think, the dude <laughs> in the picture and I start pulling it up. I'm like, hey, Rod, I think that's this. I think that's him. I think this is also him, I should say. Like, he does this too. And I watched the whole set, man. And you were like, not just playing jazz. Like, some people play jazz and they're good. And it's like they're, you know, especially in towns like Boise or others. But mm-hmm. you guys are fucking slaying it, you know? And you're really killing it. You're too drums. kind. You're too kind. Well, it's, tr- it's true. I mean, musically, it's very high. Thank you. And you're a drummer. I am not a bad drummer. It's not even <laughs> close to a bad drummer at that. So then I was just like, "Wait, a minute, this is this is took it to a whole nother level," and I wanted to meet you mostly because there aren't that many uh, people kind of doing it professionally or, or with that kind of dedication in town. Yeah, it's true. I try to know all of them, but yeah. I don't. But mm-hmm. there's only it's really less than a dozen. <laughs> yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. I mean, I can give you the names of all the. I can count Ooh. all the good jazz musicians. Oh, jazz the, guys! I wouldn't know all them. Oh. I just know the people. There's who like, are like three or four of them in the state, maybe the whole, more, well, maybe more that I'm not that I haven't quite met yet. But there's not many. Well, so anyway, 
I mean, half of them were in that basement that night, so. Yeah, the piano player was kind of a savanti. Justin, yeah. Yeah, Carlos, you just like, okay, that's someone who can just kind of, it's like an art tatum of sorts. He, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's got a crazy story, which you should have him on the podcast to talk okay. about. He's a very interesting guy. and. Yeah. What's his name? Justin Nielsen. Justin Nielsen. Phenomenal, random, so random to have someone like that in Southern Idaho. How'd you come across him? Uh, Justin Nielsen and I go back, I don't know, a long time. Before I left Idaho and went to college, he's older than me. He's probably seven or (laughs) eight years older than me, but um, I cut my teeth playing jazz in like um, kind of like a hotel lobby bar. In, in Boston? No, in Sun Valley. Okay. And uh, there used to be jazz there six nights a week. It was great. And I kind of became the regular. I started working there when I was 15, and then I became the regular drummer there when I was like 18. And um, Wow, really young. Yeah, it was me and a bunch of guys who were in the 60s. It was. You just picked it up? I don't know if it's because I was great as much as it was. There are like not too many drummers to choose from when you live in... But you could play. I could play, yeah. Yeah. I could play well enough. And there was a couple guys on that gig who were very good, who were like former session. Well, I'm thinking of one guy, a bass player named Jeff Rue, who he was a session cat in Southern California. He toured with Elvis. He toured with the Buddy Rich Big Band. Great bass player. And he kind of took me under his wing, sort of. Like, you know, there wasn't anyone to study drums with in Ketchum, Idaho. No one. But he was a bass player? He was a bass player. He's very good. He understood jazz. He understood how it works. There's a bunch of stuff very pecu- very specific to playing jazz, things like form. Um, the, you know, what is the standard? What's the form of the standard? How do you solo over that form? All these kinds of things, which at 15 I knew nothing about. And he kind of like showed me all that and showed me how to play in the context of a piano trio. Um, I should also give a shout out to my high school and middle school band director who was the drummer on that gig who got me the gig when i was 15 he's he like bailed he's, he's like, like you did in. you know he wanted to spend time with his family he's like you got it you know and he was he was a very good he was a very good teacher he was a big influence on me bart bailey great guy he's a principal of a high school somewhere in montana now but fabulous guy yeah anyway so between those two dudes um yeah they got me on my way and that's where i started to learn how much i loved music because before that, you know, that gig was four hours. It was from nine to one. Wow. And I... Just playing like standards, yeah. real book stuff? Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. And I was making 100 bucks a night doing that. Before that, I had a job at a golf course picking up golf balls on the driving range for $4 an hour. Did you get in the pond at all? Didn't have to go in the pond. <laughs> the driving range was like up oh, a... driving range, yes. Up a valley kind of a thing. Uh-huh. I just had to like... <laughs> this is not a big town either. Like, no. Like, you know, out there it's... No, it's... Ketchum was like 4,500 people, but it's like a big tourist area. So like during the season, like right coming up on Christmas, whatever, Christmas, and then certain times in July. It's pretty isolated. I mean, what is that, three plus hours from here? Uh, two and a half. Right. And Boise is isolated from, it's the big, <laughs> it's the, as they say, the biggest city furthest from another big city in the country. Is it? Yeah. I hadn't heard that, but man. Yeah. Long <laughs> drives to get to another city. That's true. The closest yeah. big city is probably like Salt Lake or something, huh? Salt Lake, yeah, and then Portland, and if you consider Spokane a big city, I don't. It's not, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and even that's like, yeah. pretty far. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so you were doing this multiple nights a week. Well, when I was fifteen, I was just subbing. I would do like once a week, and then by the time I was eighteen, it was six nights a week. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. She did this a lot. I did it a lot. A lot it was of a, shedding. It was a good experience. Was a lot of playing with the guys who were way better than me that would be into gear, I suppose. And I, at that time, you know, all I wanted to do was be a jazz drummer. I just loved jazz. You're dedicated. I was yeah. dedicated. I yeah. You know, between the ages of like, you know, when I went to school, you know, so between 18 and 22, I was basically drumming eight hours a day. Fuck yeah. For... What's that movie um, with the dude? Don't say Whiplash. Uh, not that movie. Um, that was intense. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about you know guys you shed that much. Um, yeah, yeah. I yeah. But, well, I don't want to shit on Whiplash. That's not a bad movie. It has everything has everything that has to do with that movie in terms of production value, story, acting, cinematography, whatever, script, dialogue, filmmaking. It's great. Everything about that movie that has to do with music is completely what, what off. I, what wrong. I hate about movies about music a lot of times is they, they romanticize the music-making process for almost every time in the movie. Yeah. They're in a studio, and yeah. everyone's just like... They're feeling it. And then all of a sudden, boom, and all of a sudden a song just happens, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's how it works. Music is magic. Or, or a show. They're just uh -huh. like, hey, man, it's in B-flat. And they're, <laughs> next thing you know, like the harmonies are happening. and like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the worst. It's the yeah. I, don't, I can't think of a movie about music I like, except well, maybe This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> did you see The Sound of Silence on Amazon recently? Oh, uh, with what's his name? The, the guy drummer who loses goes his deaf. Hearing. That was a good movie. Yeah, ah, that crushed me. It made me cry. It was, was good. But that was that. How much of that? That was movie to me. That movie wasn't really about music as much as it was about like addiction. It was just too close to home for me about the idea of losing yeah, hearing. Yeah, yeah it's and how terrifying. hard that would be. Yeah, and the sound design for the movie itself was powerful. Yeah, definitely, the ways they played with like you hearing like him. And yeah, yeah. I was like, I was blown away by that movie. Yeah, no, it was a very good movie for yeah. sure. What's the worst movie you can think of? It's about music. Let me hear one more good one though. Okay. Soul. The movie oh, Soul. Oh, the Pixar one. Because they I haven't seen that. John Baptiste did the music for the jazz stuff. Uh huh. And there's these scene. You haven't seen it? Oh, damn. No. The music is great. It's got kombucha up my nose. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> uh, they they really they mirrored in new ways whatever the technology of him actually playing. Uh -huh. Everyone playing. It's like. This is the strange. It's strange for your brain. Like they're playing, but they're like cartoons. <laughs> like really, like looks like real hands playing because uh. they actually did it. Did they do the motion capture thing where they like had them play and they had little dots over them? That's like, yes, and they uh. said in the old Pixar's it would be let's say 120 dots, and mm. now this is like 1100 or 20,000. I mean, oh, it was wow. like a scale of magnitude more accurate. And on top of that, there's there's one song in there. It was in the script where. He essentially has this Satori moment while he's playing jazz in his... He was a jazz pianist who couldn't break, but it was his love. Mm -hmm. And he has this scene where he just breaks. And it's supposed to be that he's in the flow state. Uh -huh. And so the script probably says to me, like, the most amazing music must play. That's the flow state. <laughs> and he wrote this song that is really... I just was like, that is kick-ass. Mm. And it's, it's jazz. Okay. But it's great. And I, I was just... Well, I should check it out. I mean, yeah. Pixar's... Always good. They're like, you know, they don't really... I can't think of any Pixar that are like misses. Yeah. Okay, so you... Uh, I just want to get through this timeline. Oh. Partially, I'm selfish for myself. No, and then we can, we can... I mean, I don't care if we have any <laughs> tangents, but just I want to honor like your Stay own on track. journey, and I want to understand it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So you went uh, from there to Berkeley, right? Yeah, studied drums at Berkeley, yeah. Okay. I uh, know Berkeley a little bit because mm -hmm. I was in school... 
in Boston for a couple years, and I used to go over to a jazz club that was cross street ish, a small place. And I'm, do you remember the name of this joint? Maybe it was there when you were there. Wally's. Yes. Yeah. Wally's. There's a jam session at Wally's. Yes. I used to play that jam session on occasion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because it would often be like students. Yep. You know, and, and it was kick ass. Uh-huh. And like I would go in there at night. And were you what school? Were you Emerson or New England? I was or? doing a graduate acting program actually uh. over at Harvard. Oh, wow. The Moscow Art Theater. So it's like I was over in Cambridge. Okay, well, so Two Wally's years. is not across the street from Cambridge. No, I would take the okay. I would take the uh, the tea. Wow, yes. it's all coming back. The red line. <laughs> the red line, yeah. yeah. Or I'd ride my bike, actually, ah. which is a bit of a hump. It but, is. Yeah. I love that place, though. And yeah. um, and I knew some people from Berkeley just because we did one production where we brought a couple people over. Uh, there's this one girl named Vesla. Vesla. Who was a marimba major. And uh, we did this production of Antigone, and we needed crazy music. And That's she, dark. Yeah, we hired her to... <laughs> yeah, she was like... Uh, I. Yugoslavian or okay. hu- something Hungarian or one. Of, sorry, one of those. Uh, one, she's Eastern one of those Europe. Slavias. Yeah, I know you can't. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I have an affinity for the place, and uh, I know it went through some changes too. But anyway, what years were you there? I was there from two thousand and one to two thousand and five. Oh, we just missed each other. And uh, when yeah. were you there? I was there until two thousand one. Uh, just two years there, like yeah. ships in the night. Yeah. Well, cool. And then, were you when you went there? Were you still thinking jazz? You're going to be doing jazz yeah. That's drumming. all I did. I studied that's playing. I studied a, a bunch of different um, genres that are kind of in existing, kind of as satellites to jazz. At least in in that school, you know, I studied like um, Afro-Cuban, like jazz, Afro-Cuban stuff, salsa, and uh, wow. um, Brazilian stuff. Wow. Um, you know, samba, bossa nova. That kind of stuff, all the percussion instruments associated with those genres. I'm not good at that stuff, but I, um, you know, I took it all. I was just like a sponge. I was soaking up all the information I could. Yeah, for sure. Wow. And were you thinking jazz performance, or were you? Yeah, thinking that was my major: jazz, drum set, performance. Composing though, too, no. probably. Or I did some composing. So I had to take when I was there. I don't know what the curriculum is like now, but when I was there, I had to take four mu- four years of what's called what they were calling, I believe, dominant harmony which is like modern music theory, you know, uh-huh. how dominant chords function and, you know, <clears throat> how to, how to, how chords function, how, t- how, how you create tension and resolution and, you know, using intervals and chords. And it's called dominant harmony because it's basically all about how dominant chords always work all the time. You have to, it's a long process till you get to that point, but four years of normal music theory, two years of, Traditional music theory, which is where you, you you break down form and analyze theory from classical music and Baroque music, and then two years of counterpoint, which is all oh, like yeah. basically just studying Bach and writing uh. two parts two part inventions. And I had to compose music for those classes, um, but I wasn't really interested in being a composer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't start to write music with lyrics until after school, like maybe when I was twenty three or something, twenty four, twenty three. Yeah, I didn't either until college. Uh, mm. it, was, it was a late start for me. The college I went to in upstate New York is called Vassar College, and mm-hmm. the Steinway daughters went there way long ago, and they donated at the time Steinways. So mm-hmm. everywhere you went, there were these old Steinways, and they kept them tuned uh, multiple times a year, and mm-hmm. so they were just everywhere. And it was the first time I'd played like a real instrument. Yeah, I'd never 
I just had a piece of crap piano growing up, and I hated it. Like it a little digital good. thing, like a, it was a Baldwin, but uh, I mean, it's just a, it just didn't sound good. Yeah, yeah. And so it didn't, it didn't engender wanting to play. Mm. Um, so it really taught me the lesson of like what a real instrument can do to inspire you. Yeah, we were just sure. talking about before we started about like, yeah, if you have an instrument that inspires you, it's like do it, you hold totally. on to it because that's yeah. kind of it's not just a piano it's like this piano yeah, or yeah. that piano or not this piano i mean it mm-hmm. can be the nicest one and you just never know if it's gonna do it totally i yeah completely empathize with that so when did you get into sort of what i thought i was going to the show <laughs> of, <laughs> which how would you describe that music i don't know i mean no one wants to put themselves in a box right you don't have to you could just describe it's it rock by... and roll man no, it's not. <laughs> essentially yeah uh yeah if you're gonna yeah i don't know what would you call it it's well, keyboard driven yeah singer songwriter sad bastard not really it's lyrics or singing it's lyrics instrument uh it's not instrumental it's, it's yeah singer songwriter stuff you know i've come out of listening to a lot of tom waits and a lot of bob dylan and a lot of tom york and Radiohead and Bjork and Randy Newman and whoever else. And it's kind of like all living in there in some way, you know, plus all like my jazz training. I love gospel music, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. I love hymns. I love all those older kind of traditional American music art forms. And then I just like, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Germany. We can get to this later, you know, in like the house music scene. And, you know, I have a love for, drum machines and electronic drums and synthesizers as much as i love playing actual drums and so it all kind of lives in the in the music somehow yeah i wonder if some people who play drums aren't as into like electronic drums but you are do you like programming drums or is it like 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 old school drum machines i like i like programming drum machines Uh i don't do any work inside the box so to speak like inside my daw all the all the songs all the sounds i make i make in a room and then i record Mm. them you You don't like moving midi notes around do not it was i can think i can think a few things less inspiring than like that i know what that work that that I can see the image on a computer screen now, just like I can pull move, it up. Right yeah, now. moving the dots yeah. around and like some. I know people who work like that, and they're great, and that's how they work, and they make amazing art. But that to me is just sounds like I, I was dragged into recording. I used to work with an engineer. I'd go to his studio and I just have the ideas, and he would kind of mastermind running the computer. And, Here in town? Or? No, no. This was in Los Angeles, actually. Okay. I lived in LA for a few years. But I was dragged into into recording myself and doing my old engineering, like kicking and screaming. I did not want to do it. Were you late to the party on Very that late one, to or? the party. Yeah. <laughs> and so I basically I'm a very reluctant engineer. Um and it's that was that was kind of dumb of me retrospectively, because I think that's the future and I think that there's a tremendous amount of freedom in being your own engineer, you know. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. I no. mean having a yeah space like we're sitting in the studio exactly. here in Boise and yeah. it just gives me the freedom to whenever yeah like the instrument you know it's inspiring to have a space that's inspiring Mm -hmm. that you want to be you want to go to the space and just sit in this space and play your amazing instruments i would say that is the future and a privilege yeah but to because the model of you have to go to a studio Mm -hmm. it's almost impossible to create the way we're when the kind of records you hear these days yeah i don't think you could make them that like we used to do music yeah i mean you you could if you're just a guy and a studio and you had act you were in, you know, I don't unlimited know. unlimited <laughs> budgets. Yeah. Even that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. You know. Um, especially for if Jeff Be- if Jeff Bezos wanted to make a record, he yeah. just wanted to rent out Oceanway Studios for a year and just 
yeah. whatever. He could do that. Yeah, just take ketamine all day long. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, okay, so walk me through uh, just a bit the timeline to now. You you went to school, and then what? See, I went to school, got a degree in jazz drumming, moved to Los Angeles. It was a toss-up between New York and L.A. I chose L.A. because a housing opportunity opened up for me. Like a really good one, so I'm surprised I took it was New York being in Boston at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. all my friends moved to New York, but I didn't like. I'd spent some time in New York, and I loved New York as a city. I didn't think I could hack hack it like living there. I did, you could hack it. I don't think I could have hacked you it. You got that northern blood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could have hacked the temperature, but I think that um, uh, energetically. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so hard to get out of New. Like, if you want to go out of New York to go on a hike. You know, to go on a walk in the woods somewhere. Yeah. It's going to cost you like $57 in tolls, and it's going to take you two and a half hours just to leave the city. And um, I don't think I could have I don't think I could have stood that. I really yeah. don't think I could have. So I ended up in L.A., which has its own list of pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not really a city guy either way. Like, But I f- uh, it felt to me like that was the right choice. Um professionally there's a lot of amazing music in that city and there's yeah. a lot of amazing musicians in that city i would say the scene in la is unlike anywhere else in the world that i've been to and i've been to most big cities excluding i mean that actually is not true i've been to most big cities I saw, that's to, a huge list i've been to a lot of big cities a lot over the world with lagos great, you know <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> I try cairo. To think, yeah the music scene in cairo is off <laughs> The chain. It may be. And, uh, yeah. I've been to, the closest I've been to Cairo, I've been to, uh, where have I been? I've been to Is this Beirut. Uh, yeah, I've been to Beirut and I've been to Bahrain, but uh, Abu Dhabi, but not Cairo. No, that is just, I'm just saying, the scene in LA is tremendous. Like, the scene in London is great. The scene in Berlin is, is great. The scene in New York is great. The scene in Nashville is great. But the scene in L.A. is on some... There's just the, the concentration of talent in that city is amazing. At least when it comes to, like, technical ability. Like, the the the, the scene of, like, session players, workers Are you talking there. about jazz or any... Anything. Yeah. Anything. I mean, you're going to get localized scenes here and there. Like, there's going to be a specific kind of drummer that comes out of, like, the gospel scene in Houston or Atlanta. And there's going to be a specific kind of drummer who comes out of... New York and like bebop drumming, and there's going to be a specific kind of drummer in LA who's more like pop oriented, and um, maybe, you know, even that feels like not doing either any of those respective scenes justice because they're all diverse and interesting in their own way. But I would say LA, given its size, has a way of attracting people from all those other places anyway. Mm. Um, yeah, so it seemed like the right place to be for those reasons, just to surround myself with a bunch of guys and girls who were better than me. Do you feel like it's hard to connect with those people though, with yes. such a disparate city? Like, yes. you know, the scene itself is not a building. Absolutely. And in a lot of ways, that's the one thing that's different about, well, I guess all places are like this, but in LA particularly, things are siloed and can be far away, the valley to the Absolutely. west side, east side. LA is a pain in the ass to get around in. It's huge and it's dirty and there's, traffic and like driving on those freeways is a, is the next level it's it's asinine what people do every day yeah. there just like and yeah. avoid talking on their cell phone eating a burrito and they're like 85 miles an hour bumper yeah. to bumper it's like insane 
but you get used to it. No, there's pros and cons with LA. The pros are the music there and the musicianship and the level of all that is just phenomenal. That's definitely a huge plus for LA. You so know. how long were you there and why did you take off? I took off because I'm not a city guy. I felt like the benefits that that I had accrued from being there had um, run out. Like all, all the, all the um, touring opportunities touring opportunities I've had, playing opportunities, recording opportunities, gigging, local gigging opportunities. Like, um, I felt like, I don't know, I just felt like it was time. I had all that and it's been a tremendous benefit to me as a, in terms of just the craft of making music, but as well as like the creative aspect of it, of being around people who are creative and like-minded. I didn't think there was a future there for me and my music because it's a very scene-driven thing there when it comes to, like, at least cr creative music, you know? I have I saw the, the scene, what was, what was considered the cool music, you know, probably changed four or five times during my um, tenure there. And uh, the music I made... It's like Maroon 5 came out of there. Yeah. I remember that. Uh -huh. Maroon 5. <laughs> I did a... I was on tour with them, or I was on tour with the band that was opening for them for a number of years, or for a summer, which was fun. Very, that sounds like an upbeat band. Very decadent. Very mm. fun. What was it? Oh, it was this artist named Rye Cumming, who was an Australian singer-songwriter. I, I think I've heard of it. An aspiring, um, an aspiring pop star at the time. He has since changed his name to Rye X. I did, yeah. a, I did a lot of touring with Rye X. Wow. I've done a lot right of his on. records. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So um, all that, I didn't want to be... I, I kind of figured that the music I was making wasn't ever going to really find a home there like because it wasn't ever really one of the cool kinds of music. And it's not this... The music that was cool there, you know, it changes. It was... You know, can indie... Um, singer-songwriter to alt-country to synth-pop to um, I don't know now it's kind of also like Americana singer-songwriter well and you don't want it's like a scene is a scene in a sense or it's like a fad yeah and you just want to do what you're doing exactly regardless now, you don't want to pander to the moment it's anyway. difficult to describe what it's like being in that environment because I think when you're in it you know it's the water you're swimming in and you don't really realize you're swimming in it which is I totally get it. I yeah. was in New York, so I, it was similar. Yeah. At the time, it was like uh, Interpol or mm -hmm. The Strokes. Yeah, or... Then, yeah, there were things that were, like, interesting. And they were the, the Strokes, and they are all the bands kind of one band removed My from The Strokes. My friends were The Bravery. Yeah, okay. That was their band. They were definitely a Strokesy band. Yeah, and they were kind of, like, in that scene, also making music that sounds like The Strokes. And they got signed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, but The Strokes yeah. were the cool band. They were the original. And they're all the bands trying... And then, like... So there's a genuine article, and then there's all that all the stuff that's kind of like glommed itself onto the Strokes yeah. and that scene and that aesthetic, and they dress the same way, and they eat, they drink the same coffee or whatever it might be, or the same. Yeah, they go to the same bar. The Strokes only drink light roast. <laughs> FYI, yeah, yeah. for all you <laughs> listeners. Anyway, and then there's the people, and like that's cool, but then there's the people who make their own weird brand of, you know, I don't know, polka or whatever, whatever their heart. <laughs> leads right, them to make right, it's right. not sounds like the stroke does not sound like the strokes and so people might listen to him go oh that's cool but they're never going to go to that person's gig because it there's no like social utility for them to go to that person's gig well and the competition in la for gigs is nuts it's probably 200 gigs a night in that yeah. town you know and mm -hmm. it's, it's it's difficult to get people out it's um, so difficult especially because they have to drive so far and they got to yeah. find parking and yeah 
if it's a little bit overcast, everyone gets oh, a little man, freaked out. They do out. those things too. I played at Hotel Cafe uh-huh. where it's like five, six, seven shows yeah. a night, and mm-hmm. you know, in and out, in and out. And your gear is like slammed in with everybody else's, and people just oh, yeah. signs up like you know your gear will be stolen. And yeah, it's like, we don't. We're not responsible. It's like, if we're like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, yeah. it's yeah. so hard. It's yeah. It's not. It's not. Um. Uh, it's not friendly, and even the other people in the scene with you, they're like. They're not necessarily rooting for you to fail, but they're not really rooting for you to succeed either. <laughs> <laughs> it's that middle ground yeah. of uh, not yeah. giving a shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, because if you succeed, that mean that probably right, means right, they're right. not. And um, uh, I get it, especially when you're in your early twenties and everyone's just insecure and trying to figure out who they are, and they have a sense of their identity and doesn't take much. And I'm speaking from experience. I've been this person. I'm not judging people for this. This is definitely me. You know, you see someone else who's kind of inhabiting that same space that you thought was your space. And you're like, fuck that guy. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm the creative jazz drummer guy. Right. Okay. You know, um, but you're 23 and you're dumb. So, um, so when you were there though, were you, had you, were you, which, what were you pursuing both the jazz career and this, uh, indie pop art career it was a really unique thing because i was when did that emerge okay so i gigged for probably five or six years supporting myself mostly as a drummer playing mostly jazz gigs Um, live or studio or both both yeah mostly live um you know not nothing glamorous you know 50 dollar gig here $75 $75 gig You're there. You're hustling. Maybe like a $300 wedding where they stick you in the corner and ignore you. Those are great. Oh, fucking bad, bro. I feel you. <laughs> um, Bringing up a lot of hard memories oh. for me that I've purposely, I think my consciousness <laughs> stuffed them into my unconsciousness They're to not pleasant. protect me. They're not yeah. pleasant. Oh, but, God. you know, do it did that for a long time. But also, so I did that to support myself, but I was also playing in a number of bands as a drummer uh-huh. that were like, you know, we're going to make it kind yeah, of bands. Yeah. So we're trying to make yeah. it. And, yeah. you know, none of them did. Um, but I was I started to write for those bands. Okay. And um, uh, so that kind of got my songwriting chops together. And um, were they cool about like, hey, you brought in a song? Yeah. This band's doing. You guys were they smart? Like, okay, this is how we're gonna figure out the money if this does make money. Or were you guys just rolling with it? That would probably vary. From I don't band. know why I asked that. That but would I mean, probably vary from band to band. But I think all the bands, in terms of like the financial professional side of things, were very cool. And okay. there's no, there's no like animosity. Like all those bands that tried and failed, like I don't have any. Um, there's no uh, residual resentment or pain. Like they all just kind of tried and then dissolved. It is hard though with bands. It's one of the reasons I started a solo project. I'll be honest. It's the main reason <laughs> I started a solo project is because I had a band and uh-huh. was in bands, and it'd always be like. You know, if one leg falls off the band, it could be very challenging and mm-hmm. disruptive or someone's yeah. a drunk or yeah. someone goes just kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. You're just like, what is happening? You know? Yeah. And it, it's, and any, it's like keeping that dynamic together is not easy. And any little amount of success that those 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 groups of relationships are able to garner for themselves, like they put all that under a tremendous amount of pressure. So if there's any yeah. kind of like... Yeah kinks in the interpersonal relationship oh, aspect it just blows the whole thing if it's up. a true democracy i yeah. think you're really in trouble totally like- <laughs> yeah definitely you know so you have to either have to be in a situation where there is a guy or a girl who's like the auteur and like the benevolent dictator of the whole thing and they're cool and you better hope they're cool exactly. or you're in a group that is a democracy and you better hope that everyone is pulling their weight 
Yeah, which, is, ra- which is rare. Which is rare. Yeah, it's it's super like, rare. It's hard to make. I mean, being in a band is like being in a marriage, and it's impossible. Not impossible. It's incredibly difficult to make a marriage work with just two people. Let so. alone having a creative yeah. part of it that's amazing. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, totally. You know, there's that whole, that whole side of it. Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine how hard it is. That's why when you see bands that have been together for long periods of time, it's actually very impressive. That's what I think. <laughs> it's very that's impressive. That's what I think. I'm like, wow. It's, and I was hanging out with these guys, the Glitch Mob. We've become friends. Three guys. I know guys who know guys in the glitch mob. Well, I knew Justin, and he was just someone who became a friend. And I mean, he's super sweet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, so when I was meeting the other guys. It's a little like I don't know, right? I mm-hmm. met these guys, and they were like, like top notch human beings, like sweet, grounded, mm-hmm. nice, kind, giving. I was like, this is why you've been together. 20 this is years. why this works. That's yeah. why this <laughs> yeah. band has been together. You're like good people. Yeah, and you're probably really good to each other. Mm-hmm. Like loving guys. And you, you know? like listen, and you like. You, just, if there's a conflict, jerks. you can talk about they're it. Like yeah. Good guys. So it's yeah. like okay, this is the success of the band right there. Yeah, you there you know? go. Yeah, you, know, you have to you have to make music that works. Mm-hmm. So was that at all part of your thinking when you made essentially use your solo project? Right. I mean, yeah. you always thought of it that way. It sounds like you go into a studio and. You seem to play a lot of instruments. I'm guessing yeah. you hire out people to. I play. You ever played it with a band or? I've done gigs with a band, yeah. But uh, in the studio, I. Pr- you play bass too? Not well, but yeah. I on the last record I put out, I've there's other people playing bass on that record. Other per- and one other person. And the name of that record? The man nobody can touch. It is. I was just listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. the anchors got a bass player, painkiller. It's not a bass player. Uh, Sorry, I'm reading off this because all the all the all the names well, of the no songs came out. No one else knows these tiles in front of them, but <laughs> that's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, so there's I hired a bass player to play, um, some of those songs. A really great bass player. Where'd named, you record this? Uh, most of that was done at a studio in Koreatown in Los Angeles. Oh. I didn't engineer. Well, some of it I did. No. Okay, I think seven out of say, say seven out of t- seven of those ten songs were done in a studio in a studio I had built in a guy's garage in Koreatown called cool. Grandma's Dojo, which is a great little studio with cool. a great great engineer named Miles Sinzaki, who is phenomenal. If you're in LA and you need someone to mm. engineer music for you, I'm sorry, the bass player who played Nick Campbell. Okay, who is cool. more known? You can look him up on Instagram. He's more known for playing really incredibly funky R and B jazz stuff i used to play jazz gigs with him that's why how i know him he's mm. he's incredible you will know yeah just look him up nick campbell he's an incredible bass player cool yeah. so you've made it how many records you made under your own name that's the only full-length record but before that there were i believe three eps and maybe two singles okay in total and you did some touring a lot with Ryax and like Bonobo too. You did a I did a stint opening solo. Yeah, uh, I did a stint opening for Bonobo. I did a stint opening for Rye, not Ryax, but R H Y E Rye. The other Rye. The other Rye. That's cool. That's one of my. That's my Rod is like favorite. One of her favorite bands uh, besides yeah. East Forest. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Go Go Penguin. Um, so is this how you got to all the cities in the world when you said you've been to every major city? Well, that was, I mean, I toured for a long time with that artist, Ry X. I was his drummer and I was his keyboard player. Damn. And um, uh, I toured, I started working with him when he was still Rycoming in 2010. And then I stopped in, I think, 2017. So wow. there was a lot of touring, a lot of touring. I bet. Yeah. That's how I visited all those cities. Yeah. 
How do you find the experience of touring? I love it. Oh, okay. I love touring. It's hard work, and there's not a lot of sleep, and it's stressful, and um, uh, but I enjoy it. Yeah, not everyone, you know, Rye X did not enjoy it, <laughs> but I enjoyed it. Do you think you enjoyed it because you were in the support role? Yes, Do you think I think it would have been harder if you were definitely. the front man. I think I think if your name's on the marquee, you're definitely under a lot more. What stress. about when you were opening? I've done some opening slots, and that's a different level of stress because some people, you yeah. know, it's harder to. Everything's about the other show, yeah, and and the fans to some degree. It's like okay, hey, yeah, okay, you it's, know, it's hit or miss. It general. I mean, it's it's a thankless, it's a thankless job. You don't get paid well. Um, the the fans aren't there to see you. You have to work really hard to win them over. But if you do win them over, if they're in the right space to hear new music, and you're in the right make in it's the magic, right space yeah. to connect with them, then it is magical. Yeah, um, and some big crowds. That yeah, that you get a place. Never, yeah, you, you get know. to play big stages. That Not you, never, but you wouldn't at that moment. <laughs> yeah, in time exactly. Be hard ticket sales for. Yeah, totally. So wow, I had some, I had some really magical shows with Bonobo. I had some really magical shows with Rye or H Y E Rye. Yeah. I did a stint, I did a tour with Ryx where I was the opening act and his drummer and keyboard player. That wasn't really fun at all. That Were you playing a, drums and keyboards at the same time? Sometimes, yes. Damn, man. Wow, man. You got a lot of bang for the buck out of gents. <laughs> I know. I should have been charging him a lot more. Double. <laughs> I totally, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a different conversation. We can, <laughs> but yes, I should have been paid double. Um, uh, Are you the only musician who's played with both Rise? Of, well, I wasn't. Of, I wasn't in Rye. Ilk. I wasn't in Rye R H Y E's band. Or toured, yeah, or opened. Open for maybe. Yeah. I might be. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, maybe going back. <laughs> yeah. I see. That's cool. Um, yeah. Um, we know Genevieve or Jean Genevieve. Oh, really? Yeah. Genevieve. Sorry. Yeah. I know Genevieve. I call her Genevieve, but I know I heard it's she prefers Genevieve. Genevieve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. I know Genevieve really well. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I met. I met her in Berlin, like in twenty. 20- <laughs> that's so Genevieve it is <laughs> she was living there at the time um, that was cool. like 2014 maybe 2013 that was before she was um, with Mike mm-hmm. um, I don't know Mike but I know her from uh, we've crossed paths several times did, and did you do one of her like uh, secular Sabbath things or we were talking about it and then the pandemic yeah and uh, she's close with Justin who I mentioned from the Glitch Mob mm-hmm. and she also grew up at Esalen Yep. And we've been at Esalen many times, okay. and we we ran into her once there. Hmm. Had a little nude hang, you yeah. know, just chilling, talking. I've done a it's nude like, hang at Esalen this is once. Unusual. This is what we do here. It's <laughs> yeah. where I bumped into you in the tub. So. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, there. I saw them play in Portland, oh, cool. uh, I don't know, three years ago or something mm. at uh, Revolution Hall. Nice. Yeah, they had a full band, so they're doing their thing. Yeah, it's a good band. I did that. When I toured with them, I just did European dates. Um, you were opening. Opening. Okay. Yeah. So where are things at with your project now? If you can bring us up to date. This is our, took me a long way to get to like, what's going <laughs> what's on. What's going on now? Yeah. Uh, I've basically spent the last year holed up in my little studio here, not too far from you, um, making a record. It's pretty much done now. Cool. And did this one you record yourself? I did or? I did all the engineering. I played no, everything. Shit. Um there's one song I think where I have someone else playing upright bass on. Is it mixed? No, no. It's done. It's pretty much done being tracked. I'll qualify it. It's pretty much done being tracked. I have to get it mixed and mastered. I will not. If be you want to use anything here or whatever you want to do, feel free. 
Uh, I would be. Thank yeah. you. I might want to ape like ab some mixes. Yeah, I have, also have a really nice chain here for a master bus. If oh, you yeah. ever want to talk through, but okay, it's always you could always try it, just pass it all through and see if sure. you like it. You know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Table that. You never yeah. know. Sure. Um. So that's that. That's what's happening, I suppose. Very cool. So it's a full length. Yeah, it's another full length. Um. So do you feel that? Um, I'm, I'm not, it's a little cagey here on whether you're touring in support or in a band. I'm just curious, like being a session player, uh, like that. And is that seem to support your work or take away from it? Does it feel like separate energies and lives or do they, uh, help play along? What do you, how does that feel? I, Cause I don't do that. And well, so I just I, know how much time I give to my project yeah. and I don't feel like I have a lot of other time. So I would say from a, on a personal creative level they're mutually beneficial like being uh, a songwriter and focusing on writing good songs um has really helped me as an improviser hmm. uh, as improvising you know writing songs helps you improvise yeah. when you're playing for other people or in general oh i'm thinking in the jazz idiom okay. you know improvising you know, exercising that creative muscle where you're learning I how see. to create spontaneously yeah. mm-hmm. you know you trust your creative choices better the more you do it and writing is a form is improv it, it, in its nascent state you're improvising this song as it slowly solidifies but it, right when you're beginning it it's improvised right and so improvising is improvising and it helps you and i've i've um studied the jazz language enough that i know you know that even though my song, the songwriting I do is not jazz at all, I'm still exercising that um, creative muscle, and I can apply it to the jazz language. Mm-hmm. Just the creative aspect of it, and spontaneously making choices and believing in them, and like playing them with conviction. You know, it helps it a lot. And you know, the technical aspect and the discipline aspect of all the time I put into getting good and proficient on drum on the drum set as an instrument helps me stay disciplined and focused as you know a writer, and you know. So I'd say on a creative level, they're mutually beneficial. On a professional level, it's confusing because, like you, you went to see me sing and you saw me play drums. It's like... Well, it's the same name. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you can't blame me. It wasn't like... It didn't say jazz ensemble Absolutely. Or, Ab- absolutely. What did it say? It did just it say said like, Jens Kuras. Nah. Well, what, what were you looking at? Because I know there's a flyer well, I made. I, oh, I didn't see a flyer. Uh, I just looked okay. it up on, you know, like what's happening. I don't know. Oh. It's probably in Boise Weekly or something Interesting. like that. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't know how it got there, but I'm glad it did. It's their fault because it probably <laughs> had a description of you. The flyer just said, like, you know, jazz hang or something, jazz residency. Well, I did see a flyer, like, on the door. Yeah. And I was like, but I thought this was the thing. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. anyway, this is exactly, this yeah. illustrates my point exactly. Okay. Because people, like, when it comes to promoting yourself, like, a, I'm self-employed, so I have to generate money for myself by a whole combination of musical things. One of those things is playing drums for people or playing keyboards for people. The other is just like as a songwriter and an artist, and then also as a producer and an engineer for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you balance all those hats? Like if I'm just an artist, if, I, if that's all I did was live off my songwriting, I wouldn't, I would starve. I need, I need I the income from uh, the session work and the touring work and the... Um, production work i do for people um so it just gets confusing and people don't know how to see you they don't know how to look at you in a way that because it's people like things so they can gents is this gents is a jazz drummer gents is a singer songwriter gents is a producer whatever they may be and then that that's how 
they just, you know, and we all do this. I'm not judging people for doing this to me. I do this to people, but you know, that's how they understand you. So all my friends who knew me as a session musician, as someone they could hire as a drummer on gigs, like when that, when I started like being more of an artist, so to speak, um, they didn't really know what to do with that, I suppose. Um, and there was not like they were hostile to it. It's just that, you know, gigs would, uh, like session gigs, touring gigs would would I would stop getting called for those because you know Why? because I'm a singer songwriter now you what? know and no I'm not it doesn't make huh. sense but that's just how is that that old competition thing you're talking about no, back in the day it's just are like, like it's just like he's too good no it's, that's certainly not the, that's <laughs> certainly not the reason it's just that people see you in a way it's just like Jens is a session musician oh Jens is an artist he must not be a session musician and there's so many people trying to be trying to get gigs as drummers you know and the people that would normally call me to hire are they just they have a rolodex in their brain of 20 other drummers yeah but and, at the same and when, time, when it's like i want a drummer gents is filed gents isn't filed with their drummers anymore gents is filed as singer songwriter mm -hmm. so the first person that comes to their brain is no longer gents it's going to be well you're a bit of a rare bird there aren't a lot of drummers that i know that are hardcore session guys who are at that level who also have their own thing like that going on yeah yeah, I'll give my I'll I'll agree to that. And are you doing a lot of producing? You said you do. Or... Yeah, yeah, I've done some. I mean, a lot. I've done some. And what I, does that look like for you? It's looked a couple of different ways. Um, uh, I've produced um, some. Let's see, some like jazzy piece for people, uh, because I really like jazz, but I think all jazz records kind of start, have started to sound the same in terms of like just their not in terms of the playing or the improvising or the songwriting but in terms of the um uh the production their choices on like what should the piano sound like uh -huh. and what should the saxophone sound like it's all just like we've got a great upright grand or sorry we've got a great grand piano sound we've got a great drum sound we've got a great it's clean saxophone sound. it's clean yeah. everyone plays it's all done live it's great and that's fine. So they're not they're not like being creative with engineering. I don't think mixing. they are. No, no. That yeah, is kind of rare. So yeah. I'm I'm trying to do that a little bit. I just played so that that trio you saw me play with. We just mm -hmm. tracked a record a couple of weeks ago. Did mo did it all live, and now I've got all the stems, and I'm supposed to go through and make them more interesting, reamp them, put delays on them, put what bit crushing, you know, any random thing I can do to make the piano sound a little bit left of center. And, you know, what are you doing to your piano sound on your latest record? On that record? Uh, sorry, your newest one that isn't out. Well, it depends. Or on either, that. I guess. But, you know. <laughs> depends on the track. Depends on the track. Where does your mind go, though, to make it different? Uh, Is there a particular, like, vibe you're trying to go for? Let me think. It could be a number of things, and it depends on the song. Some songs aren't really, um, I don't mess with the sound at all. I just mic it. Some, 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 some of it has everything to do with the mic placement. Is it a far? Is it close? Are you hearing all the sounds of the action and the felts and all that kind of stuff that's very in vogue right now? Um, is it more roomy? I'll just, it's just, I don't know. Just play with a little bit more. Are you going to do a stereo pair? How about you do a stereo pair of mics that are, that don't match and see what that sounds like or, mm. um, reamp. I do a lot of reamping. Um, 
add delays, add slaps, add, like I said, bit crushing or compression, or you just, what does a piano sound like when it's coming out of your guitar amp instead? And then mix that in there, you know. Um, put it through, uh, you know, I have a Moog that's got a audio in, and you can run the piano through the filters on the in the mod section of the Moog and treat it like that. And sometimes it's just a weird little subtle thing that you don't hear, that you hear, but you don't realize you hear. It's just blended with the normal piano signal. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. Hmm. And it's, you know, yeah, it, oh, it's always changing. It's it's not, it's not like a thing. It's always, it's a very much a record by record or definitely a song by song, I would say. Basis. Gotta serve the song. It's yeah. gotta serve the song, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. So, um, and you're hoping to, I mean, what would be the perfect outcome for you? It would be to just tour this new record and do your work? Or would you yeah. miss the session stuff? Or uh, I think I would miss the session stuff a little bit, but the life is a series of choices. There's a lot of stuff I like to do that's not music related that I don't get to do because I've decided that I'm going to be doing music. Yeah, you know? I feel that, man. Yeah, right? So when it comes to that, I would miss the session stuff. Because I there I take pride I would say in in being in someone else's band and like being really good at helping them sound their best and making them comfortable and helping them make a great record and helping them put on a good show or whatever it might be because I'm very good at my job and I can make them sound better and that's a source of you're pride. only as good as the drummer totally it's the old saying totally it's true. true it's super true the drummer is always the leader of the band even if no one realizes that you can't overcome a weak drummer you can't. No. It is what it is. It is, yeah, totally. And that's why people really want great drummers for obvious reasons. <laughs> they really can elevate the They totally the sound do. Of the band. They Yeah. They we don't have to get into that, but suffice it to say, I, I totally mean, agree. It's, just, it's not really I, an opinion. It's just yeah, it's, it's the way it goes. The rhythm's yeah, not there. Like you have a good rhythm section, you can fart in the microphone on top of it. It'll still <laughs> sound great. But if your rhythm section sucks, you can have the best vocalist and the best guitar player, or whatever, and it's just not gonna be good. Yeah. Um where were we? Just where your heart is with the future and this new work, like whether you'd miss the other work or just kind of where you want it to go or where it is going, how it's evolving. Uh, well, I mean, I was really happy with how this record turned out. You know, I was a little how anxious to see how my engineering skills were going to pan out or if yeah. I had any engineering skills, but I think that the record sounds great. And, you know, it's my best work yet. I I took to engineering and recording like a fish to water. At least it feels like that. Um, so there'll be more of that in the future. This record, I'm, you know, my management shopping it around, trying to find labels um, who might be interested. Um, I don't want to have to self-release it again, but I will if necessary. <laughs> um, I put out all my early EPs with a record label, but that... that Full length, the first full length got totally torpedoed by the whole COVID thing and touring had to be canceled and um, had a distribution deal, which was good, but not great. Anyway. Would it, you be willing to, I mean, have a label and you kind of give up the ownership of the music or most of any income from that? I would give up ownership, at least partial ownership of the masters for sure. You know, if I got to use the the label is a bank and they would fund stuff for, for sure. Um, I had a publishing deal for a while, which is expired now, but that was, you know, I gave up a lot of, uh, like back end income for that, but I would say it was worth it because of the advance involved. I got to live off that for a year, which is great. It gave me the freedom to 
write another record. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking for deals like that at the moment, um, for sure. Publishing deals, record deals. Yeah. So okay. So who's gonna mix the record? Uh, it's gonna be mixed mixed by a good buddy of mine who lives in Nashville named John Crone. He's mixed all my all my music thus far. Cool. And I have a good relationship with him, and he does. He basically knows what I want stuff to sound like. I give him fairly accurate rough mixes, mm-hmm. and so he basically takes those and makes them sound better. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, I I look forward to hearing it. Yeah. Um, uh, I love the set you played at Treefort. It was my favorite one. Oh, thank you. That was. <laughs> I appreciate that. It was rough. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, actually, I'd like to talk about that briefly. Um, <laughs> So I was playing, I think, the next night or something. So part of me was like, I want to check out the space. Yeah. And I wanted to see the thing I wanted to see the first time. Uh-huh. I was like, I'm pretty sure this time this he's time doing he's his thing. This time jazz, yeah. Um, which is cool either way. Yeah. But you were in there and like, the sound system was a little janky. Mm-hmm. And they they were just having basic issues of just yeah. lines. And they don't let you sound check no. for Tree Fort, really. Yeah. Well, they don't. And so they should... If it's you didn't have, I don't think very complicated setup. No, you know, I did if not. it's sending signal, I mean, it's a world, it's analog. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's sending it or it's not. Uh-huh. And they were just having trouble, and I almost, I almost <laughs> got up and I'm like, let me just get in there because I've been through that situation so many times, and it's almost always just like one of the cables is dead. Yeah, and you, I just know we all know how to do it, but I can uh-huh. very quickly make okay, this, do this, 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 uh-huh. this one, boom, it's yeah, you're done, let's go. Good. Yeah. And they took a long time doing it, and they had like a, some students yeah. as like apprentices. No, get, hey, bro, you think you had it bad? <laughs> the next night, when you played, the next oh, night you had the... you had a an adult and the students uh-huh. on a janky system. Uh-huh. I show up the next night, and I'm setting up, and there's a there's a, a younger gentleman who's a, a kid, uh-huh. and I was like, hi, and I was like, so where's everybody else? And he's like, oh, it's just me. I was like. <laughs> what's your deal? He's like, well, I'm in high school and I'm like learning how to do this. I'm like, it's just you. And he's, you know, he's just, just learning. He's uh-huh. done a couple, he doesn't know, you know, mm-hmm. so they, they, they put a student in and I ended up doing it all. Uh, I mean, I was like, here, I just had to show him. I was like, we're going to run these lines. We're going to move these two speakers. We need power over here. Okay. Now we're going to flat the EQ. And okay, oh, it's a little, so we're going to roll back there, uh-huh. get some feedback. Uh-huh. Okay, hold on. So could you okay, I do everything? And then when you're running the show, it's just like, I just, would just be like, you know, I think we need to bring up blank or whatever because mm-hmm. I can't tell, yeah. you know. So it was, um, that was hard because it's a level <laughs> of stress that yeah, you know, you but just don't need. You like overcame a... it, and it, it was. I I love the Wurlitzer and um, you know, the singing was great, and I don't know, it was just great to see you do your thing. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, pretty, well, I appreciate that. And I I know that you know the sound was blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. You could dial it in. <laughs> I get all that, but I mean. Um, I sympathized more than yeah. anyone else because I, I went through the same thing even even more the you next know, day. When I showed up to set up, the person before me was singing completely acoustically. Was it Yasmin? I forget her name. Uh, she sounded good. She was just playing guitar and singing. Oh, no, it was somebody else, yeah. She's just yeah. playing guitar and singing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Acoust- No, but with no, no uh, amplification. No, no amplification yeah, at all. Yeah, just singing in And I'm room. like, oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. That's cool. Cool effect. You know, and the reason was because the sound people had no idea what they were doing and they couldn't. When I showed up, I'm like, I'm hauling my wheelchair out there and there's a, a young lady and I'm like, okay, cool. So I need like one stereo DI and just two mono DIs and like a power drop right here. And she's like, great, cool. 
don't know what any of that means. Oh, and I'm no. like, oh no. But you're <laughs> the sound person. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, I think I think for some reason that venue had something going on with some students. Like it was like a deal going on where like we're gonna learn and it's sort of like you don't want the the first time tattoo artist or yeah. the practice surgeon. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? You're just like, oh, okay. It was really rough, man. But yeah, it whatever. It happened and it was fine. I've played better shows, I've played worse shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were they were nice. Um yeah. I've had sound people who were just they were mean. Yeah. You know, I mean did mm-hmm. not care, mean Territorial. like what did I do to you? You know, yeah. like it's like, please, please help me. There's going to be all these people walking in like 32 minutes. And like, I just, will you please give me a little volume? You know, it's a crazy world out yeah, there. It's rough. Yeah. But, I mean, we think about all the, all the hustling that happens and all the things you have to do and all the things that have happened. And it's like, it's crazy, man. You know, doing the life of, of music. I'm glad that a lot of that, I'm, I'm proud of all of it. I'm glad it's happened, but I've also, you're making me think about just all of it. <laughs> you know from LA to New York to whatever yeah. you know all the different touring and mm-hmm. yeah but it's it's nice so in, in Boise um you came back here because it's sort of home and uh you felt like you could do your music but live the life you want to live like what are these other interests you're talking about that oh, you have out- to give up outdoorsy stuff like i love backpacking me too and camping and mountain climbing and hunting and um, all this kind of stuff. My family's in Idaho, so I got to be close. I have a little niece, you know, my uh-huh. sister and her husband and their daughter. And it's just good to be close to family, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, I never really felt at home in LA. I have some very good friends there who I miss, but I never really felt home there. Yeah. Um, I feel more, much more at home in Idaho. I mean, it is an interesting creative place to be, Boise. Um, I don't know if there's a home for my music here either, but like I can at least afford to live here and like afford it's to getting have... more expensive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Ugh. Not like LA, but I think it's gonna crash soon. I could be wrong about that. That's a different podcast, your real estate yeah. podcast. But um <laughs> I can afford a, a house with this and turn it into a studio. I could not have afforded that in LA at all. It would have costed me three times at least, maybe four times as much a month as what I'm paying. Mm-hmm. And um no, I feel more free to be myself here. You know, I don't feel so hemmed in by what people think is cool and what people think is not cool. Totally, yeah. I feel, um, uh, yeah, I feel, I, f- I just feel better here. My quality of life is quite a bit healthier. Yeah. Um, quite yeah, It's a good bit living. I mean, it's yeah. easy living. Mm-hmm. I like the four seasons. I like yeah. the sunshine. I'm a sun freak. Yeah. And I grew up in Oregon. I did not get enough <laughs> sun. Yeah. Which part of Oregon? Salem. And then I was in... <clears throat> you know, East Coast for the school stuff, and mm-hmm. then New York for a long time, and then I went to Portland, mm. stint in Portland. Yeah, in the golden age of Portland. The gold. Yeah, <laughs> it truly was. And then what years were the golden age of Portland? Nineties? Uh, no, <laughs> no. It's just when it really was popping, and everyone yeah. was moving. I moved there a little before that. Uh, See, that was um, <clears throat> 2010. Okay, 2010. Yeah. That's when I moved there. The golden age of Portland. Yeah, the that 2010s was... were quite nice before it the got teens. crazy expensive. And like when I moved there. You could get a house pretty cheap, and you could be a barista three days a week and pay your rent, and mm. and there and still though all that stuff with the food scene was happening and yeah. the music scene was happening, so it just felt like wow, this is awesome. Mm. You know? And then when did you move to Boise? Uh, about I mean roughly four years ago, okay. but uh, it's when Rod and I met, mm. and then I didn't really move here, and we kind of s- slowly moved here. I see because I, I was in that I had that space in Southern Utah too, and, ah. and I was either that or 
touring. Mm. Um, and then she had this space that we're sitting in that was the old sailboat garage. I think it was just three sides. Mm. And then someone turned it into a garage garage, which was just a garage door. Mm-hmm. And then I turned it into a studio. Okay. And that was, I finished it like a month before COVID hit. Oh, Th- thank Make a time. God. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, couldn't have been better timing yeah. on that end. I just finally finished, like, this is great. And then, like, oh, I guess I'll be in here all the time, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it really worked out on that level. It's mm-hmm. been a real godsend. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's cool in here for sure. Yeah, it's got a good vibe. Got a very good vibe. Yeah. And I wanted it to be white and have lots of light and windows just mm-hmm. because of my need for light. Light. Sun. Yeah. yeah. I love looking out this transom window and getting to see the sky. Uh. And, you know, it's nice. It's really nice. That's nice. Yeah. So I don't know if we can, uh, if there's like a song we can play at the end of the podcast, but you can let me know and I could include it if you want, if you own it, your music. Or I do own my song. music. Yeah. yeah. Um, it'd be nice. And where can people find you and your stuff? Uh, What's your address? No. <laughs> you can find me where exactly where you be at, where you would expect to find an artist. I'm on Instagram. I have a website. It's all just Jens Cross. J E N S K U R O S S. Double S at the end. Double S, and that's not hard to. It's very Googleable. I'm the only one in the world that I you know. Are. Of. I just did it today, and it worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Instagram, Jens Karras. Twitter, Jens Karras. Facebook, Jens Karras. Jenscross.com. And is there anything you can tell us though about you? What you will you? Is there any touring or anything you know that's happening? That you, or no. you gotta wait and talk about that? No, I'll wait. I'll wait. Nothing's confirmed yet. Gotcha. If it when it if it does get confirmed, it'll all be next year. It'll all probably yeah. be well, sure, sure. Spring and summer next year. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Other than that, you know, stream me on Spotify. Bandcamp's better. If you don't mind, go to Bandcamp. But if you have Spotify, it's more convenient. I'll take it. It's fine. They can play music <laughs> and go to bed and just turn the volume yeah. down. Hit repeat. <laughs> hit repeat. Just let it yeah. shuffle. Yeah. I love this artist. Yeah. Um, that would be great. Do that. Definitely. Definitely do that. I had some friends in a band who they made a record that was all silent, and they got their fans to stream you it. You know those guys? Was it a metal band or something? No, no. It's kind of like a funk band. Wolfpack. Well, I heard about this. It yeah. kind of was lore. I mean, Spotify was pissed. Yeah, yeah. They ch- Spotify changed the rules. They made like rules. $10,000 or something in streaming. They made more than that. It paid for a whole tour. Wow. Yeah. Just people streaming yeah, just... with the volume down at night. Uh-huh. It was a silent record. There's no sound. Oh. They uploaded nothing. They uploaded oh my silent God. It's audio. It's not even file. a record. Yeah. Wow. They gamed it. Totally gamed it. It's like an NFT before NFTs. Yeah. Was, they, were, <laughs> they were very savy. Are very savvy gentlemen. But anyway... Yeah, but so your record that. will have music. My record in it. has and sound. sound. It'll have actual so sound. You can listen to it turned all the way down or all the way up. It, Options. It'll, it'll, I like ha- that. That's good. Yeah. It's very artistic. As long as it's going, either way, I don't care where you have the dial turned. Well, cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much for dropping in. Thanks for having and me. I appreciate I it. Encourage people to listen to your music of all shapes and sizes. Everything. Definitely. You do. do you have the jazz music recorded and released though? Uh, no. Okay, so that's simple. So yeah. if I search you for music, they'll come up with just your yeah, solo yeah. work. Yeah, I've done. I've been a sideman on several records, but if you Google me, my name, those records won't yeah. come up. Yeah, that's another discussion yeah. about that whole. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, gents, for coming on. I really, really appreciated that, and I hope to see you again, considering especially that you're literally down the street. 
and he's a great musician. And this song you're hearing in the background is uh, done with dancing, and it was off his last album. And it's been in my head for days in a good way. He's got some great classic songwriting skills, an incredible voice, great production, high musicianship. So um, check out his work. I can't wait to hear this new album that he's, he mentioned he's working on. But I'm sure you're going to dig this stuff. And um, I'm just I'm happy to be introducing it to myself as well. I hope to see those who can make it to the live shows. Uh, sign up for our newsletter at eastforest.org and we'll let you know when we're coming to your neck of the woods. Lots of stuff. Shows hopefully being planned for 2022. You know how these things go. It's um, such wild times, but we're just doing our best to be out there uh, walking the walk and sharing in the witness and in the conversation together. So for now, you guys keep walking your walk. Don't take any shit, but if you do, do it with grace. Save life.